Welcome to the Sioux Nation Podcast. I'm Jill Funky, Communications Manager at Sioux Nation Ag Center, and we are so glad you found us. Sit back and listen as our staff hosts welcome guests from all aspects of the livestock production industry. It's our mission at Sioux Nation to arm regional, small, and medium producers with all of the resources we can put in front of them. And now, on with the program. Hello and welcome to the Sioux Nation Podcast. I'm your Sioux Nation Ag Center staff host, Jill Funky, and joining me are SDSU Extension Specialists, Jalen Whaley and Kelly Froelich. Thank you for being here today, ladies. Thank you, Jill. Thank you. Could each of you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do for SDSU and Extension? Sure, I can go ahead and start first. I'm Kelly Froelich, so I work out of the Animal Science Department in Brookings on campus. So I'm a sheep and goat extension specialist for the state. I actually kind of have a three-way split with my job. I have a little bit teaching, and I teach the sheep production course in the fall. The majority of my job is extension, and then I have a small part that's also research. And I am the sheep field specialist I'm based out of Rapid City, um, and my role is 100% extension working with sheep producers. Wonderful. Now, you ladies recently collaborated on an article that highlighted the four-year average of residue in meat samples, and that showed that violations for sheep and goat meat was double those found in hogs and cattle. So could you guys tell our listeners what those residue violations included? Yeah, I can start. So yeah, like you said, the residues were double. I think it's also important to note that we're still producing high quality food products and that those percentages are still relatively low. However, we still need to be cognizant as producers that we're not leaving behind residues or, you know, not following withdrawal periods. The violations that were seen from 2019 to 2022 were kind of a wide array of different things. You know, they saw everything from dewormers like moxidectin and goats, some of our antibiotics such as oxytetracycline, even banamine, you know, our sulfa drugs, kind of a, a wide array of both dewormers and antibiotics. So what we're really talking about is really about practicing better antibiotic stewardship. Correct. Yep. That means following labels and making sure that we're not vaccinating or giving those animals antibiotics that are going to be found then in our meat products as well. So if we wanted to examine this on our farm, what would be involved in implementing an on-farm antimicrobial stewardship program? So I guess I can take this one. So the biggest issue with seeing these residue issues in our livestock, oftentimes it's because we do not follow drug labels correctly. So when we say that back of every single bottle, there will be withdrawal times, there will also be dosage amounts. If we're changing the dosage amount, that can change the withdrawal time. And it's also, you know, if you're not a vet, you don't have authority necessarily to change the drug use amount because that can change the withdrawal time. So if you deworm your animals, you know, it'll have a specified time that you cannot send that animal to market, you know, within that day period. If you're not following that, that's when we tend to see residue issues. So when we're talking about implementing a stewardship, antimicrobial stewardship program, first of all, you should be a establishing, you know, a good relationship with your vet to make sure that you're following 
and giving animals correct dosages, but then also like for sheep and goats, because they are considered a minor species, we have a lot of extra label drug use. And those have to come with direction from your veterinarian. So it's important to have that relationship. But then it's also important that you're keeping written treatment protocol and a record-keeping system so you can identify if you get an animal sick, well, I know I need to treat it this way with your veterinarian directive, but then also you're keeping those records so you're not accidentally sending an animal to market or slaughter that is in withdrawal period. Several other steps to maintaining a good antimicrobial stewardship program. Bottom line is making sure that you can identify your animal, keep good records on it, working with your vet, make sure that you're reading labels and giving it to them the way it's specified. Sure. And then one of the things to talk to you about would be a documented drug inventory for all of your animal health products. Yeah, so that I think sometimes when we tell producers that we want you to keep accurate records and lots of inventories and things like that, it sounds like it can be one more piece of paperwork that we have to keep track of. But maintaining that drug inventory, even on just some notebook paper or pinning it up to your refrigerator, at least allows you to know what animal health products you have and show how much you've purchased. It also allows you to know what you've used and what you've disposed of. That way we're not keeping any of our animal health products in our inventories past, let's say, our expiration dates. It also allows us to be able to record lot numbers and things like that. In some cases, there might be a bad batch of of an antimicrobial or something like that. You can keep track of those lot numbers as well. But for the most part, it's just an easy way that you know what exactly you have in terms of animal health products I'm going to make sure that you're not keeping anything that's expired in your inventory. So you mean I shouldn't just have a bottle of this by my kitchen sink window and then a few more bottles of something in that old refrigerator in the garage and and just hope it all works out? Is that what you're saying? Right. And I think we have to go back to what Kelly said about looking at our label because another thing that's on the label is our storage instructions. And so you mentioned keeping something on the, the kitchen windowsill. <laughs> Well, some of our products need to be refrigerated to keep their viability. And so to make sure that not only that we're keeping our drugs effective, but that we're following those guidelines in terms of how to properly store and handle them as well. What would either one of you like to say about understanding prescription and extra label drug use? So, I mean, both Jalen and I are not vets. So I guess when it comes to extra label, we can't give any like recommendations, right? So that's where, when I was talking about that veterinary client relationship, that's super, super important because they're the ones that are going to be able to give those off-label recommendations for sheep and goats, which, like I said, sheep and goats are a minor species. So that extra label is important for our industry just because we do not have the amount of drugs available that, let's say, like a cattle does. But If there's a common drug, you know, that's not specifically labeled for it, talking to your vet is going to be the best source of information to go to. And I would add, too, you know, when you asked the question earlier about some of the residues, some of the residues that they found were some of those drugs that were extra label. And so if we're not properly using those and recognizing that a sheep might 
metabolize something a little bit different than a cow does, we really have to think through what our withdrawal periods are there and working with our vet. And I think also hopefully by now all livestock producers know that all antibiotics are prescription now as issued by, you know, USDA. And so that just makes having that veterinary client patient relationship that much more important because at this point you you do have to have a prescription if your animal gets sick. Right. And coming from the Sioux Nation Ag Center side of things, we have several different clinics and, and stores and we've had clients come in and just want to pick something up because they always have and no, we need an updated VCPR, and correct me if I'm wrong, ladies, but I think that means in order to have that established, the vet has to be, have been on your farm site within the last year. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So thank you for saying that because that is important, and I think we're at the still in the adjustment period to that USDA guideline, or I guess it's not even a guideline, it's a requirement. So thank you for saying that. I appreciate that. What else would either of you ladies like our listeners to know? Um, I think that Kelly and I, you know, whenever we work, especially with newer sheep producers or goat producers, it can sometimes be a big challenge to find a vet. There's a lot of vets, not only in South Dakota, but across the nation that are not overly comfortable with our small ruminant species. But having those open communications is really, really important. And also reaching out to whether that be us in extension or other producers to find a small ruminant vet that they trust is going to be really critical, I think, when trying to get into making sure that our sheep and goats are healthy. Absolutely. So I want to thank you, Jalen and Kelly. We really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us today. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. We'll catch you next time with more guests and topics related to the current ag climate.